from the Lake Erie shores of Northeast Ohio. Hello, Cleveland! Rock and roll capital of the world and birthplace of the comic book superhero. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. This is the Panel Scanners Podcast since 2012. sense that we would look into some scary things uh with me as always is darren how are you feeling darren boo ah yikes sorry. i it still got it i still it was, got it uh-huh and the easily scared other gentleman with me this evening is tim how are you tim i'm doing well how is everyone out there uh, so if you listen to us earlier this month, which I highly recommend that you do, we started talking a bit about our uh, Mount Rushmore's of horror, and uh, we're going to kind of continue on with our Halloween-style themed things this evening, uh, starting with costumes that we still really, really want to wear. Uh, so these things are kind of wide to interpretation for all of us, uh, you could be cosplay, since you know cosplay is its own thing, really. Uh, how, what what is it? What how would we make it? Would we purchase it? Would we want to actually go from scratch? Uh, why would you wear it? Where would you wear it? And all of those fun things. So to jump right into this, Darren, why don't you hit us with some honorable mentions? Yeah, I mean this is a fun thing for me because. Uh... I mean, the costuming has come a long way since those old Ben Cooper masks and those boxes. You remember those, Tim? You walk in around Halloween oh, yeah. and there would just be a mountain of those things. And anything you can think of that was remotely aimed at children had a Ben Cooper mask and those plastic like like McDonald's apron like consistency uh, costumes. I used to wear mine out within a week. That's all I would wear. I would run around the backyard. The Batman one, uh, that Robin one, which is weird because the Robin one is literally just a black black mask, right? But you just you had to put on the whole plastic thing, and they had like an aftertaste to them. Do you remember? They had that? a Robin one. Yeah, they did. They had like an aftertaste to wearing those masks. So because all right. You said aftertaste at the same time he said Robin. I thought he said there was a ramen one, and I was like, wait, what? Uh, now that would be cool. Um, <laughs> there, Robin. That's like a whole subculture. I bet someone's made an entire costume out of dried ramen. But anyway, so, you know, the day, the girls I dated in college were always Halloween obsessed. And, and, and Phil, you'll attest that Kent State around Halloween. I feel bad for anyone who's a senior this year. That place, that is an amazing time down there for Halloween at, at Kent State. Um, I know I'll, I had friends who OU said it's nothing like OU, but I'm like, yeah, but we don't riot. <laughs> you guys always are rioting. <laughs> like, I remember seeing people throwing kegs down hills and trashing and, like, being arrested. I'm like... I mean, that's uh, good. You guys, you guys get yourself killed, and we just go out and wear costumes and drink. Um, yeah, nothing against OU. Yeah, oh yeah, that was fun. OU is an amazing place. But anyway, I digress as I am want to do. Uh, and my wife is hugely into Halloween. That was one of the first things we, you know, when we we got together, we realized that we're both super into Halloween. Therefore, I've had to up my costume game. And for you know, going back to college and all that, I've been able to basically dress up as all the characters I would have liked to have dressed up as. Uh, I've done Michael Keaton Batman. I've done Christopher Reeve Superman. I've done Adam West Batman. I've done Black Suit Superman, which is what I did last year because CJ wanted to go as Superman. 
So I've been able to pretty much scratch any itch I might have had. I've even done He-Man. I've done Jay Garrick's Flash. Um, any, any, scratch, any itch I wanted to scratch in this costuming, I've done it. So, But I do have some honorable mentions. The Lone Ranger would be cool. A 1940s Superman. Indiana Jones a second time. I actually went as Indiana Jones one year. I have a lovely story about this. It was at Kent State Halloween. And I got this jacket at a thrift store that was so perfect. It was so perfect for Indiana Jones. I got it for like 10 bucks, And it was really the impetus of me going for Indiana Jones that year. Because I saw this jacket. I'm like, oh, my God, I got my Halloween costume. Um, and it just so happens. It was a little bit heavier. So I'm like, I got my Halloween costume and I got my winter jacket. 75 degrees that Halloween, <laughs> right? So what I ended up doing was like finding an old shirt and ripping up and then like doing the Indiana Jones from Temple of Doom. But I was walking through Kent State, and Phil, you may remember this. There was always that one guy at Kent State who was goose stepping down DePeister Street as a Nazi. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, it just so happens I run into him, and uh, he looks at me and he gives me the Heil Hitler because he sees I'm Indiana Jones. And what do I say? What's well, the only Nazis. thing I can. I hate these guys. Exactly. And he goes, You want to fight? And Phil will attest, this is not a guy who looks like he could win a fight. So I was kind of like trying to walk away, but I'm like, there's a crowd of people. They're already hating on him. And I'm kind of like, yeah, let's do this. Because I figure no one in the world's going to prosecute me for this one, right? Plus, you know, I may have been a little bit north of the border. But that I just that was fun. Um, the Rocketeer, uh, the man with no name, the Scarlet Spider is one of my big ones. At some point, CJ's doing Spider-Man. And uh, I will do the Scarlet Spider. The Shadow would be cool. Zorro would be cool. Um, so those are my honorable mentions of what I would really like to dress up as Halloween one of these years. Tim? <laughs> Me? Uh, I can tell you, I Halloween is not a big thing for me. I am not big costume guy. I uh, Probably the, big, the one time I probably broke down in uh got a costume you know what this one is oh, right i sure Aaron? do yeah i do yeah i uh it was the michael keaton batman 89 i got a costume and that was back in the day when it came out it was hard to get stuff like that i went to an actual costume shop and i remember like buying it over the course of like months because i had to save money because they these were like custom made it was, I mean, it was just cheap latex rubber and everything like that, but they custom made the parts and to be able to afford everything, you know, I was finally able to assemble the costume, but that was probably the, my one niece, uh, her, uh, birthday's October 22nd. So they would always have a costume party for her, which I always dreaded, but then I just kept wearing the Batman costume over and over again. I'd be the guy who'd wear a Superman t-shirt and just put on a red cape and there you go. There's my costume. You know, it just, uh, I don't, I, I think for when I was a kid, I mean, I loved costumes. I did all the Ben Cooper and you know, all the, that stuff. But as I got older and more self-conscious, I, that just really kind of went to the wayside by me. So this was a little bit more of a, what a uh, fun month of programming for Tim. I know, <laughs> there. I know right? Right. Let's make let's first scare uh, bring up traumatic uh, scary memories for Tim and then bring up the things that he just doesn't really do. Um so 
anyway, I thought about it a little bit uh, for my honorable mentions. Uh, I think a Moon Knight costume would be kind of cool. That would be sweet. Would be awesome. I really haven't seen uh, too many Moon Knight costumes, and I think that you know I could go for I could go for a Moon Knight costume. Um, the other one would be a Stormtrooper costume. Um, I do have a Stormtrooper helmet. Um, the rest of the costume would be cool. I, you know, I've always loved the Stormtrooper outfit. I just think it's just, I think it's just such a beautiful design. Um, and being in that armor is, is great. Um, and the other one I think would either be like Boba Fett or now the Mandalorian. I can't decide whose armor I like more. Mandalorians is pretty shiny. It's pretty, it is pretty, pretty nice. nice. <laughs> but I, uh, those would probably be my uh, uh, three honorable mentions. So How about we, you, Phil? Here, hold on. If I may interject, here we go again with Tim, like telling me, telling us about. Oh, I don't really like it. I don't really care. Uh -huh. stupid. And then he hits us with all these costumes that are going to be amazing, and they're just his honorable mentions. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, everybody else told a story about one time that they wore a costume, so I figured I should tell a Kent State story. Also, uh, my roommate and I, my uh, fourth year at Kent, uh, I uh, we we dressed up as the ambiguously gay duo from Saturday Night Live. Yeah, you showed us this picture, and when we were doing, I think the last time we did a Halloween special. Yeah, so full full bodysuit, uh, yellow thong, a big old G on my chest, a really poorly cut out mask, and I rode around on his uh, back the whole night, pretending to be looking out for villains, and it was great. And we just talked the whole time with that very big talking way that the ambiguously gay duo did like really really bad 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 interpretations of the old batman and robin and it was a great time and probably the favorite costume i've ever worn but it, be a blast. it was so much fun and really really funny the way people responded to it uh it was worth it it was a perfect like college costume uh, but my three honorable mentions. The first is someone I may, I don't think you guys would necessarily know, uh, Raceland Majir from the Dragonlance Chronicles stories. I know. He, uh, he was one of the twins. He had gold skin, white hair, and he slowly became more evil as it went through. So he wore different colored robes and always had like this big mage staff because I thought I'd always wanted to like do a wizard. And then I was what like, was his name? Raislin Majir, R A I S T L I N. Okay, I'm you looking be... this up. <laughs> uh, so, all right. Yeah, so generally you'll see him in a red cloak, but yep. uh, he has black also because he becomes more dark as it goes on. And it was just one of my favorite book series when I was a kid. And the idea of dressing up like a wizard and pretending she spells at people come on, like, who doesn't? <laughs> That at some point in their life um my second is just because i am very short and if i could ever get into good enough shape i would love to dress up as wolverine and i mean the most ridiculous wolverine costume too the good yellow and black one so that it's very obvious uh and it can run around all night yelling shit at people and waving my probably cause at everyone uh i just i think it'd be fun and you can just call everybody bub and like chew on a cigar the whole night i think it'd be kind of a blast and my last one is actually a costume that i had uh come up with and was ready to do when i was in college but i couldn't find enough people to do it with me it was a group costume in which i would dress up as pac-man and use my arms to do the pac-man mouth and then have other people dress up as ghosts and we would find little orbs 
around and you'd eat the orb and then they would flip their ghost costume around and you would chase them. And I just think it'd be a funny costume. That's clever. That's clever. I like that. That's one of the great things about going to Kent State. Now, I'll say that I was never much of a frat guy, but sometimes those guys came up with some pretty amazing ideas. Like the dudes running around where they had gotten all those uh, cartons, those uh, long cylindrical cartons and were dressed up as foosball players. That was Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was a rough night trying to get in anywhere, but uh, it was funny. So oh, yeah. that just kind of reminded me of that. Um, those are fun, Phil. Uh, those are really fun. I'm interested to see what you have for your. I know one of them's got to be the man for you, right? We'll, we'll get well, to it. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll get there. We'll get there. All right. So coming in at number two for me, and I really thought about this for a long time, and I know it would be fun, and I've been working on the impression for a long time. I want to go as the Macho Man Randy Savage so badly. <laughs> <laughs> I I have I you know Phil when we go to do the uh um the the free, free comic day. book day we always have that guy who comes dressed as Deadpool uh he's a cross between a Deadpool and a famous 80s wrestler the first year we were there he was Jerry Lawler Deadpool and then mm-hmm. he was Ric Flair Deadpool yes and then he was Diesel Deadpool which is a little bit more deep dive so I've, I've always sort of uh, fantasized about when he comes in, if we go next year, I want to have the big hat and the glasses, and I'll go, oh, yeah, I'm ready for you this year. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm still working on it. I mean, I have, a real good, I have a real good Adam West. I got a real good Shatner. For whatever reason, I have a really good Tom Brokaw. Don't ask me why. I'll get that Macho Man down. That would just be the, the, the just that whole thing, man. Go to find Elizabeth. Um, I, I just think... Do- Free comic book day with that voice though i couldn't know there's no way and by the way you would have to be i'd have to train you to be mean gene okerlin because i need someone there to hold a mic for me <laughs> oh i do I, so one of you guys uh would have to be there as mean gene and um, uh, tim, tim would have to be lord alfred hayes you have to practice a british accent it's a whole deal tim don't worry we'll get you there um uh so and by the way one of these days i know that uh chris uh hemsworth you know, he's officially announced he's doing the Hulk Hogan biopic. And I know, like, I guess our celebrity in the podcast, I suppose like, there's A-listers, there's B-listers. I think we're somewhere on the triple Z category. But uh, I don't know if it's enough for me to make my play to play the Macho Man in that movie. But I, I would say there are worse choices uh, than <laughs> the DSPZ to play uh, the Macho Man. So that would be uh, my number two. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good one. It's pretty good. Um he All transcends right, uh, wrestling. He really does, right? I'm right about that. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, all right. My uh, number two, like I said, I costumes aren't my thing, but this could probably get me into a costume. Um, would be an Iron Man costume. And I'm talking a real Iron Man costume. There is, I just saw one a couple days ago on YouTube that looks screen accurate down to the uh the it actually has like moving flaps in it um you know it it looks just like the movie costume and i would wear that probably anywhere because one no one would know who i am (laughs) so i my insecurity would be uh handled there (laughs) um Plus, there's no, it's almost impossible not to look 
cool in that thing. It is just, uh, it is, a, like I said, whoever made it, I don't know how many thousands of dollars they spent on that thing, but I would have to see how uh, much it would cost to rent it for <laughs> a couple hours because that thing is, uh, is just silly. It's just silly. So my, definitely my number two. It was going to be my number one, but uh, yeah, something else uh, came along and replaced it. But you'll have to wait for that. But my number yeah. two is definitely a screen-accurate Iron Man costume. Special place Iron Man has in my heart, too, because it was the first comic that I ever started um, collecting. So I've been a huge Iron Man fan before he became popular, I guess, so to speak. So yeah, yeah I would love, I would love an Iron Man costume. That's awesome. How about Man, you? That'd be awesome, actually. Like semi working as much as it could be Iron Man yeah. costume. Uh, my number two. Uh, I actually based both of my mine off of uh, things that I've loved for a very, very long time. So my number two would be Cloud Strife from Final Fantasy VII. Mm. Big, spiky, blonde hair, giant buster sword on my back, weird, spiky metal thing on my shoulder. Uh, I just, I think it'd be a lot of fun to run around and, one, act like I don't care about anybody, and two, have a sword that is bigger than me on my back. Uh, for a whole evening, and I think I, would, I, I, it would be something that I could use pretty more than just once, more than just like going to Halloween, go to a convention, go to Free Comic Book Day wearing that, you know, and, and just be out there and acting foolish with it, um, and hopefully finding somebody else to sword fight with because that is just kind of a dream. So uh, it, it's just one of those things that I always thought would be very, very cool to wear, and uh, I think. Honestly, Cloud's probably become even more popular in the last couple of years with that Final Fantasy VII remake, and he's in Smash Brothers and just a well-known face. And come on, couldn't you picture me with a big spiky blonde wig? It'd be <laughs> I would pay to see that, Phil. Actually, <laughs> I'll keep that, that in mind. Yeah, I can totally <laughs> see that. I can totally see maybe, that. Maybe I could get a finance through Tim paying me. There you go. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna start a fund for you. And that's a lot of belt buckles and things like that. That's yeah, difficult. Yeah, I've seen that thing. It, yeah, you're uh, you're gonna hit up the old uh, thrift store for some belts there, buddy. For sure. So yeah, my number two, Cloud Strife. All right, Darren, what is the costume? The costume you want to wear? All right, here you go, you guys. Um, now I use some words. We've used words like ambiguous and esoteric, and I feel like we're doing Tim a disservice here. So I'll uh, I'll simplify it. <laughs> By the way, ambiguous I... means more than one interpretation, Tim. Just in case you were uh, a little too concerned there. Um, Are you speaking Spanish? Esoteric uh, means a very specific or uh, element known to very few people. Uh, perhaps is about the. It's in layman's terms. I can I can. But you're. I can speak in technical terms if you wish. Um, <laughs> So uh, you're going to like this, though, Tim. This is a one-off character from Batman the Animated Series from the episode Beware the Grey Ghost. I would love to make a Simon Trent Grey Ghost costume. That is just such an awesome-looking costume. And I'll admit, I completely forgot that he is voiced by panel scanner's Patronus, Adam West. Um, you already have the voice. Yeah, I'm all ready to go. You evil, dastardly fiend. 
You have to almost like act like you're out of breath. And you're, you're, if you could just speak while you're acting like you're almost out of breath, you're halfway to an animalist. Um, <laughs> this and the fact that he was voiced by Adam West and I completely forgotten heightens my need to eventually do this. It also gives me another two decades or so before I need to get it done. Um, so I, I just think if you go up and look at the, the gray ghost, it's, it looks like it's going to be an easy one to do. Uh, that jacket's going to be a little bit difficult. It's kind of the same thing as the Rocketeer is wearing, but a different color. Um, and by the way, if you ever get a chance, YouTube, it's, it kind of pops in and out from time to time. Someone put together a gray ghost fan film and they uh, they have the costume in there. Looks really, really cool. Really cool. A little bit analogous to the shadow. Uh, the Some sure. of the versions of the Sandman, early versions of the Sandman also. Uh, not the uh, Spider-Man villain, the DC character. Um, but it's just, you know, the cape. You know, he's got those guns which he uses kind of the way the Phantom would use them. He doesn't shoot people. He shoots things out of people's hands. Um, just a really cool looking costume. Darren, remember uh, when I was telling you about that Batman the Animated Series board game Kickstarter? Yeah. Grey Ghost is one of the heroes in it. Oh, is he really? Oh, really it's is. funny because the backstory is he's not, if I remember this, it's been a while, he's not actually a hero. He's a TV star. Right, Tim? Am I, yes. Do I remember that correctly? He's a TV star. Simon Trent isn't, Simon Trent is the actor who plays the Grey Ghost. And, and that was a show that Bruce Wayne used to watch when he was a kid. Yes, that's exactly what he did. But he did uh, put on the costume and uh, help Batman uh, solve the uh, crime. So I guess maybe he became the Grey Ghost in real he life. He did become the Grey Ghost. It would be a very, very uh, meta costume, that's for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, now we're going to go to my favorite costume. One that I would was going to be Iron Man, but... This is something I would actually wear. I would love to wear this at a convention. Um, I've never been to one, but just thinking about it. And I have you to thank, Darren, because of what you wrote in the description. <laughs> because you said we've come a, a far cry away from plastic Ben Cooper masks and costume. I would love a adult size. Ben Cooper, Darth Vader costume. If I, I would, I think that would be the most hysterical, a uh, retro thing to do, um, to go full circle to what I, uh, Phil. I don't know if you've ever seen these. You should look it up. Just type in Ben Ben Cooper, Darth Vader costume. Um, just to, because I this was definitely before your time, so you can see yeah. what we're what we're dealing with here and for the listeners who if this is before your time uh help me out with this darren this essentially was the costume you had a, a plastic mask is this like a trash bag yes, yes almost like it's like it was like this vinyl plastic costume like the pants are totally they're just it's a one piece it's plastic the pants are like plastic and the top, it doesn't have Darth Vader's, um, you know, breathing apparatus or controls on there like one would think a Darth Vader costume should have. Instead, it just has an actual cartoon drawing of Darth Vader on there. Yeah. And you have a, a plastic half mask right there. Yeah, this needs to We can make this. 
and and just a vinyl this this come on this costume can be made right oh yeah. we could do this in I a half an hour yes and you have the like you said the 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 vinyl black short black cape it was such it those costumes those are what I grew up with in war and even back then I knew they were horrible oh because we all even knew. as a, <laughs> even as a little kid I'm putting on this costume wondering why I have a picture of Darth Vader on my costume. Yeah. You know, the one that came closest to looking like the real outfit was the Batman one. Because right. it had the bat emblem, it had a utility belt, and it had the bat emblem, but written across the bat emblem said Batman on the front, and on the front of his mask, there was an oval emblem on his forehead that said Batman on there as well, in case anyone didn't know. But I would just love to prance around at a convention. I bet I would be a, such a hit if I had an adult size this, Ben Cooper Darth Vader You know, costume. one of these years, we're going to end up maybe going a little bit all out for, maybe even this year if we're able to go back for the uh, free comic book day at Carolyn John's. And there it is, Tim. I mean, that that <laughs> that is so, yeah, <laughs> Phil, they all, the costumes were terrible. They, you, you were all excited to get them. And literally the mask, like it was, it was attached with one of those elastic strings that would like rip your hair out, and it would break and halfway would, through the break. night. Yeah, halfway you wouldn't even get through trick or treating, and you everyone knew they sucked, but you weren't going to be doing Halloween without them. I mean, I'm sure Halloween was a lot easier for parents back then because like here's your Ben Cooper, and now like CJ yeah. wants to go as R2D2, and he also wants he's going as R2D2 as a Ghostbuster. So I'm like, well, how am I pulling this one off? Um, so, and I may, of course, I'm making it because he want because he also loves dressing up. But this was, oh God, fond memories of things that really, of the things that from our childhood that we have fond memories from that really actually sucked. This is in the top five of those things, right? Ben Cooper masks. Absolutely, absolutely. I had a stormtrooper one. Yeah. I also go ahead, Phil. I'm just going down this rabbit hole of looking at these things. Did they call them fun ponchos? Oh, they had some of those too. I had a spite look under. I wonder if they have a Spider-Man one where. Oh, they can't. They have, oh, they I had be. a Spider-Man poncho. It was a costume, but the mask was just his eyes. It was just the eyes that like, like the Robin mask, um, Darren, it was like oh, no. this Spider-Man's eyes. And it was just a red poncho with a hoodie with Spider-Man's picture on the front of it. So, Tim, due to your your request, and yes, I see the thing you're talking about, but there's also a 1954 Ben Cooper Spider-Man that is not Marvel. <laughs> and it, it, oh my god, I, oh my god, it is, it is so special. <laughs> that is being very kind. It is oh, a, is it the one with the yellow, like the yellow oh, webbing? Yes, it's yellow and has webbing all over it, and the face is just. So this is Spider Man. I I had that. I had that. Wow. Oh no! I had the poncho. The, the the topper mask. The one I'm seeing has even the. It didn't have like the Spider Man top, but anyhow, I actually had look up. Kiss like Ace Freely. I had an Ace Freely one. They gave him like fake hair. It was still the front of the mask with this horrible. Oh, they were they were dreadful, and I. That's the last one I'm looking up because I can't. Or this is my night. 
adult versions of the I can't I can't believe I tried looking uh, before uh, we came on seeing that I'm like someone had to make these right like someone made adult size ones and do I can't I didn't no with a quick search I did not see people doing these we, and dude, they really should dude you know we get the mask off of eBay for like thirty cents. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll make that t-shirt. There's got to be we'll a, we can get that. Dude, this would be awesome. It would be actually really <laughs> funny if, like, if Phil, you did that Spider-Man <laughs> one, and then I'd, I'd buy it. There's got to be it's something out Marvel there. I'm sure. Man. Oh, there's there's the Captain Kirk one. Oh that's, my god, that's I the Michael Myers. The, mask. I see the Spock. Yeah, the Captain Kirk that's... was the Michael Myers mask. No, Is hold it... on, hold on. For an audio medium. <laughs> Well, you know, put these in the Instagram, man. Oh no, well, the, the the Michael Myers was the rubber mask. This is well, right, but they about... took they took the Ben Cooper's uh, William Shatner's Captain Kirk mask and molded the rubber mask with that as its uh, as its template. I gotcha. Yeah, this is just oh, which is why the thing looks really bad in subsequent sequels because they couldn't get the Shatner mask. Oh my God. So just a general thing for all of our listeners. Uh, if you want to go down a terrible rabbit hole, look up Ben Cooper, insert whatever you want, costume. There's even a Daredevil one. Or it's actually a Batman one that is... There, like yeah, Daredevil. I love that you don't know for sure. It's Daredevil it, or Batman. It's, it, they the never made it. I can tell you they never made a Daredevil one. Um, it was a I, Batman. I'm looking at it. It has Batman on it that says Fantastic, but it is labeled Daredevil. It is spectacular and you need to find this when did did you what's well we found which one i'm gonna do (laughs) oh i'm still scrolling i'm still scrolling down through what was your initial search ben cooper costumes or you can look at the chat in our thing i'm going to drop the link for the picture okay great um all right anyhow thank you tim because (laughs) that caused all kinds of distraction for so many reasons um, I guess it's my turn. Right? Yeah, How am I supposed to follow? You complained about I mean, following me. Now follow that. Yeah, that that was <laughs> special. Uh, well, mine is obvious, and I've talked about this before, I think, on the podcast, that I've always, 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 always wanted to do a Spider-Man costume. Um, I've just never quite been in the shape to do so. I've always been just slightly too chubby to put on a full-body skin suit that is meant to be taken seriously. Um, one day. One day I'll fit into it. Um, but ideally, I would love to have one that uh, I'd probably buy it because the idea of trying to make something like that is just terrifying to me. But I would love to try to find some form of not real webbing, obviously, but working web shooters that I could shoot something out that was somewhat like web uh, just to terrorize everyone. Hey, chill. <laughs> just... Uh, just to terrorize people around me and uh, to really get into it. Cause I think it'd be a lot of fun to run around and pretend to be Spider-Man and try to cling to walls and fall off and all that fun stuff. I did that for Dude. Halloween one year, Phil, and I got silly string and I fashioned my own web shooters. This is before the 2002 Tobey Maguire movie came out. And I was mm-hmm. walking with this girl who I was dating at the time. And there was uh, parents, you know, early in the night, Tim, when you're a kid, like parents would bring their kids out like around like seven, mm-hmm. eight o'clock when people would fill into the streets and just to see all the costumes and, you know, they would take them away. And a kid like had a Spider-Man shirt and, and I was walking by him and I had made my own Spider-Man costume. It was like, I didn't do the skin tight thing, Phil. I just did like a jogging suit and then I took 3D fabric yeah. paint to draw in all the lines. So it worked out great. 
but you don't have to wear a skin tight suit is what I'm saying. Um, what I'm saying but I, I want to be able to. Oh, okay. So I, I, and the kid was like pointing at me and he's like, do you think that's Spider-Man honey? So I, I was able to shake up the canisters and shoot the webbing out of, uh, my hands and the kid goes, oh, it is Spider-Man. And I like took a bunch of pictures with him. And it was, that was like one of my favorite memories from Halloween. I made this kid's life that night. I still that have the awesome. Spider-Man mask. I'll show it to you, Phil. It's really cool. That's Phil, awesome. I just sent a link to you. There's this guy on YouTube. It's called Sean's Crafts. And the dude makes these working web shooters out of like cardboard and paper that look like it, it's it, you'll just watch a couple seconds of the video it, it, he makes the ones from uh the ps4 spider-man game he does toby mcguire's uh, what he does the ones from you know the the new spider-man movies it's really freaking cool. And he gives templates and instructions on how to do it. And have I you will, seen recording? Have you seen the Spider-Man mask where um, you, it's like you have a little chin trigger and you can change the aspect ratio of his eyes. Like no, it's, oh, that's great. it is really cool. It is really cool. Like if you're, you can, you, you're obviously it makes it a little bit more difficult to talk during the night. But if like you open your jaw a little bit, like his eyes will go real wide, and then you can like squint Spider-Man's eyes. Oh man, people it's are super, amazing. Yeah, people are so amazing. It is really awesome. That's crazy. Phil, you're right. They did make a Daredevil costume, which is the uh, Ben Cooper one, which is funny because it's really old. It, it, they were done with it by the time I was a kid. And the funny thing is that is the Batman mask painted right? red. That right. is, a, that is, Oh my gosh. So you didn't even change the packaging. It's still the Batman packaging. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, so that's how cheap they were, but oh that's man. Awesome. Phil, it would be, it would be really cool. Like if, like, so I'll tell you right now, if you ever, if the Carolyn Johns, uh, the, uh, the theme ends up being Spider-Man, you should do it. And I will do Scarlet spider. But Tim being Tim still needs to do the Darth Vader, Ben Cooper thing. <laughs> I actually have the old Batman, Ben Cooper. My buddy, my buddy, because you know, you know what a big Batman fan I am. And um, my best friend um, and lead singer and uh, my band and all that, he, he grew up and he played, uh, we played together and he had an old, Ben Cooper cost Batman costume that he gave to me. Um, and it has the man. It's funny. He actually got a deluxe one that was made of cloth. It wasn't plastic and he would play. Yeah, it, I have it. Um, and he would play in it all the time. But you know, when we got older, he uh, passed it along to me and it has the mask. In it. I can't believe so it. I, I, I could resort to that if I had to, but I think, you know what? It, I, you can get still Darth Vader masks similar to the Ben Cooper ones. Now that, uh, I bet that costume could be made. Oh, wow. You actually made me see something that I wasn't excited about, uh, talking about and doing ended up making me, um, have fond memories and excitement at the end. Well done. Phil, uh, was there anything else you wanted to say on the Spider-Man thing? No, I mean, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Everyone knows my love of Spider-Man at this point, And I mean, it, it shouldn't have been a surprise that I, but it is kind of shocking that I've never actually done it. One day, one day. <laughs> you should, you have to, you have to. 
All right. So that is, man, that is, there. there's a lot there. Tim, I still want to see you in a trash bag and a bad Batman. Um, Who doesn't? That's that's a fair argument. Uh, all right. So, Darren, I know this is one of your favorite things to do, and now we're talking about one of your favorite topics. So what do you have for us for a retroactive review for this month? All right. Uh, you guys are going to buckle up for this one. Uh, I have long wanted to do this retroactive review for a few years now. Werewolf by Night, Marvel 1972, and when else could I do it but on our Halloween special? Uh, so we, a couple of times when we did our, um, I think we did our top ten pieces of memorabilia we still really wanted. And then I think you, Phil and I, we recycled back to that. Um, to things we were in active pursuit of because when we did our top 10 things we really wanted like I know Phil one of yours was a screen used Spider-Man costume so some of the things we talked about were things that were not attainable but then we sort of cycled back to it over the summer and things that we were sort of in pursuit of or knew that we would pull the trigger on if we had the chance and Werewolf by Night number one was in my list and I ended up getting it, uh, not the mint copy by any uh, means of the imagination, but I got a readable, a good copy. And so I was able to come across, I had kind of um, accumulated uh, some of the other issues, the first 12 uh, before that. So I only, I only needed to get issue one, three and seven before I was going to be able to do this. And I really wanted to do it for this Halloween and I got it and, and, and I'm ready to go. So, uh, I, there's, this is going to take us down a few paths, so be ready. Um, so like I said, I have long anticipated researching for this Werewolf by Night retroactive review, mainly because I wanted to read Werewolf by Night, but also it would provide me the opportunity to talk about my love of the old universal monsters, which I think I'm kind of discovering Tim has the same love as I do for those old universal monsters. Yeah. With this review... Through those old movies, I expected to touch on a little bit of Hollywood history, at least in terms of the positioning of the horror genre during the time in which Werewolf by Night is published, the 1970s. But I did not expect to be organically compelled to talk about Super Friends, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, Scooby-Doo, Atari Force, Sword Quest, our own podcast, and a few other odd nuggets along the way, as you'll hear. So here we go. I love the Universal Monsters. I have been fascinated with them since I stayed up way too late at way too young an age, sneaking downstairs after my parents went to sleep to watch old horror movies. I caught early versions of Dracula, Frankenstein, The Wolfman, classics from the 1930s and 1940s. Lon Chaney, Lon Chaney Jr., Boris Karloff, and Bela Lugosi, names I knew before Nimoy, Shatner, Lucas, Spielberg, Ford, Reeve, Henson. The movies weren't the movies weren't really horror as we have come to know the genre. Moreover, they were character studies. Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, the Wolfman aren't really villains in those movies. They're lost souls. Deaths didn't always happen on screen. There was no gore factor. So much of the violence was implied, not gratuitous, like you would see Dracula like go in to bite someone or the Wolfman, and then it would pan up to the full moon and you would hear something howl or rowl, roar in the background. So yeah, I mean, I never really got scared. 
Um, of course, as I have gone further into my parenting journey, I now know that my parents were probably very aware that I was sneaking down to watch those movies. They must have considered it harmless enough since I didn't seem to be getting scared or were happy to let me sleep in on the weekends, so they could too. Then, and I mentioned this a while back, uh, Phil, the Hammer horror movies started replacing the originals in late night television. My parents yeah. put a stop to my late night viewing habits because I began crawling back into bed with them. The Hammer horror films were out of England and in color. The actors spoke differently. Blood and gore accompanied very on-screen deaths. These must have made the movies all the more real to my seven-year-old, seven to eight-year-old brain. But nevertheless, I persisted. I grew even more fascinated with horror movies and couldn't believe it when I was able to get my hands on any number of magazines like Fangoria, Cinescape, Movie Magic. I was especially enthralled when these publications would show photos from the old classics. Those mags and the production photos from those early movies was American history to me at that time. Now, tracing the history of horror films is, is a mind-bending trip. The aforementioned classics that even the most casual viewers are aware of are examples of early, big-budget, important films that were cultural touchstones in their time period. But after those early classics, the horror genre descends into the Hollywood trash bin. The UFO craze of the late 1940s, the 1950s, saw tragic, soul, tragic tor tortured soul portrayals replaced with cheap puppetry and cardboard spacecraft. It seemed embarrassing to be caught coming out of a theater having watched a horror picture in those times. For a long time, the horror genre remained a dismissive subgenre in Hollywood. Meanwhile, further damaging the horror genre, the infamous Comics Code, which had been instituted in 1954, heavily handcuffed what publishers could include in comics. The horror genre in comics nearly evaporated altogether as some of the restrictions were aimed squarely at the genre. Here are a few examples of those restrictions straight from the code itself. Now, you guys know what the comics code I'm talking about when the, the, the article came out, The Seduction of the Innocent, which postulated that, among many other things, Batman and Robin were encouraging young boys to uh, enter a gay relationship. That was mm -hmm. an actual contention in the comics code. So they came up with all sorts of rules, and this one in particular, um, and this one in particular deals with. Uh, the, I have a couple of bullet points here that talk specifically to the horror genre. No magazine shall use the words horror or terror in its title. All scenes of horror, excessive bloodshed, gory or gruesome crimes, depravity, lust, sadism, masochism shall not be permitted. It's funny. That's the same reason they shut down the Muni lot for tailgating before Browns game. Browns games. All lurid, unsavory, gruesome illustrations shall be eliminated. Inclusion of stories dealing with evil shall be used or shall be published only where the intent is to illustrate a moral issue. And in no case shall evil be presented alluringly, nor as to injure the sensibilities of the reader. And we thought millennials were bad. Scenes dealing with or instruments associated with Walking Dead, torture, vampires, vampirism, ghouls, cannibalism, and werewolfism are prohibited. So, good luck with those horror titles. Um, but Marvel always did have a reputation for rebellion and were the first to challenge, then eventually ignore the comics code entirely. 
Marvel saw what was coming in the 1970s as the horror genre began emerging from Hollywood's trash bin to reclaim its popularity as a movie genre. Horror movies had been dismissed as meritless during the rise of cinema as gangster pictures from the 1940s, sword and sandal epics from the 1950s, westerns in the 60s. These were all celebrated with red carpet premieres and made legends out of those who starred in them. But just ahead of horror's resurgence, Americans had been enduring the Vietnam War, amongst many other challenges of the time. Many of Hollywood's venerable old guard personalities and the movies they starred in celebrated patriotism, love of government. Those movies were severely out of step with the times. Audiences, perhaps witnessing what so many soldiers brought back with them, hungered for the return of the tragic character, the tortured souls. Audiences may have perceived that the movies were no longer telling authentic American stories. If perception is nine-tenths of reality, then perhaps entertainment is the other one-tenth. So Marvel beat Hollywood to the punch, wasting little time publishing countless horror-themed titles. Tower of Shadows, Chamber of Darkness, Chamber of Chills, House of Mystery, Crypt of Shadows, Dead of Night, Vault of Evil, Uncanny Tales from the Grave, Beware, Wonder Tales, Weird Wonder Tales, Marvel Spotlight, Supernatural thrillers featuring it, man thing. Insert obligatory giant size man joke here. Tim, <laughs> obligatory means you're obligated to do something. Um, the monster of Frankenstein, obligated means you have to. Um, there are a lot more. More means more. Um, the most popular of these titles was the Tomb of Dracula. For more on the Tomb of Dracula, listen to our first Halloween special from October 2016 in which I reviewed the first 18 issues. This is where Werewolf by Night comes in. There appears to be some dispute over Werewolf by Night's creation, a character at least similar in nature purportedly appeared in Atlas Comics in 1954. This was the first year that the Comics Code was instituted, so if true, the run was very brief. Of course, Atlas would later become Marvel, so the character was already in their warehouse, which is why the dispute exists. At least traditionally, though, Roy Thomas, Jerry Conway, and Mike Plug are credited with having created Werewolf by Night in the 1970s. Jerry Conway is a name we've visited and revisited multiple times on this podcast. For more on Conway's contributions to comics lore, listen to my retroactive review of Atari Force's monthly title on the Panel Scanners episode 30. Roy Thomas is a name of consequence we have mentioned but not cover in true enough detail. Thomas is chief among those second wave of Marvel legends, having immediately succeeded Stan Lee as editor-in-chief of the Marvel Comics Group in 1972. Among his projects, Thomas brought Conan the Barbarian and Star Wars to Marvel, both of which were either immediately or eventually massive hits. Star Wars is credited for having saved Marvel Comics. For the story on how Star Wars saved Marvel from being scuttered, see our Star Wars special number one from December of 2015. We also reposted the first Star Wars special as a panel scanner's classic last December in advance of Rise of Skywalker. Yes, we have been around long enough to consider some of our episodes old enough to be loosely called classics. Roy Thomas has a very impressive roster of creations at Marvel. Very few not named Lee, Kirby, Ramita, Ditko, Starenko, Starlin, Adams, O'Neill, Wolfman, Perez for either company have had as prolific a career in comics, let alone just at Marvel. Phil, Tim, can either of you name three characters 
that Roy Thomas is credited with creating or co-creating at Marvel? No, I cannot. <laughs> there is at least one major hitter in this. And a lot of uh, others you know for sure. At Marvel itself. Are they still well known? Oh, yeah. Hulk. <laughs> no. Uh, Spider-Man. Iron Man. Captain you know, America. You don't know who created Spider-Man? Dude? You said co-created. Yeah, no. It was Stanley and uh, Steve Dicko. Um, Last um, I checked, neither of those guys is Roy Thomas. Just saying. Well, you said heavy hitter, so I'm just getting Marvel heavy hitters. Phil, yeah. he was one of your costumes. Spider-Man? Oh my god. Did you literally just You're say crazy. Spider-Man? That's what I'm saying. That's totally wrong. One of my costumes. <laughs> what? Doy. Wolverine? Yes, Wolverine. Oh my god. I'm like, <laughs> that hurt. I'm like, that that hurt my soul. All right. Now I, mean, I understand yeah. like some of these other ones you might not, you know. All right. So Black Knight. Now isn't he coming in um uh, uh, the the uh, the why well, can I think of it all of a sudden? Uh, Eternal. Yeah, thank you. He's isn't he coming in the Eternals? Black Knight. Yeah. Um, Kill Raven. So there's some. Red Sonia, Adam Warlock, Morbius, Ghost Rider, and Luke Cage, Carol Danvers, Vision, Man Thing, Yellow Jacket, Iron Fist, and the big one was Wolverine. And there's more. So Roy Thomas is like, if he like I said, he's not the, in the in the top tier. He's right there though. He's definitely got some foundationary stuff from Marvel. Um, while we're at it, which character had its first appearance in Werewolf by Night? Someone Tim mentioned tonight. Moon Knight. Yep, you got it. Spider-Man. Issue number 32. <laughs> so following his run as Marvel's editor-in-chief, Thomas would return to DC, where he had a very brief run just ahead of his initial run at Marvel. In 1981, he began contributing work on Green Lantern, Batman, Legion of Superheroes, Superman, and Shazam. He also worked with Jerry Conway and created many comics for Atari Force and Sword Quest during DC's cross-promotion with the gaming console, the Atari 2600. For more on Sword Quest and Atari Force, many comics which precede the Atari Force Monthly, check out the Panel Scanners episodes 56 and 57. Mike Plug began his relationship with superheroes by working for Filmation in the 1960s. Mike Plug is the artist on Werewolf by Night, Roy Thomas the writer. Now, more on Plug in a second... As I'm going to digress for a few moments because here's something I can't believe that I am just now discovering through my rare research for Werewolf by Night. Plug, as I said, worked for Filmation, which is, a, which is as legendary an animation studio as they come outside of Disney and Warner Brothers, right? The studio is commonly noted for its mega-hit He-Man and the Masters of the Universe in 1983, yet MOTU comes near the studio's Twilight. Filmation produced a host of superhero cartoons that predate Super Friends, which was produced by Hanna-Barbera and debuted in 1973. Now, Tim, I know I'm speaking right at you with this stuff. Super <laughs> Friends ran for eight seasons, which is unheard of even today for a cartoon aimed at children. Now, to get a sense of history here, superhero animation begins with the timeless Max Fleischer Superman serials from 1941. And if you have not seen those cartoons, they are essential viewing. And a case could be made that they're still the best animated superhero cartoon. Now, pretty much nothing after that until, what? Spider-Man in 1967. Now, the animation quality is amazing in the Superman serials. And it is 
forgivable uh, for the 1967 Spider-Man cartoon, given the time in which it was produced. But it earns its recognition for the unforgettable theme song, right? And uh, you could probably say that Spider-Man endured some uh, downtimes just on that theme song alone. I was kind of somewhat aware of a Batman series and discovered it on the DC Universe late last year. But truly, I was never aware of anything else between Superman, Spider-Man, and Super Friends. But Filmation produced The New Adventures of Superman, The Adventures of Superboy, The Superman Aquaman Hour of Adventure, Aquaman, The Batman Superman Hour, The Adventures of Batman, all between 66 and 70. Yep. Those things must be lost to time because I had no idea. Now, the Superman Aquaman Hour of Adventure actually features the first TV appearances or film appearances for The Flash, The Atom, Green Lantern, Hawkman, Justice League of America, and even the Teen Titans. Tim, at some point, we got to do something with these proto-superheroes in the podcast. If only there was some streaming service that was specific to DC <laughs> Comics that you could keep these things on there and then you could access them to watch them with such nostalgic flair, if only such a thing existed. Oh, it is to dream, though, isn't it, fellas? <laughs> Anyways, back to Mike Plug. He worked on the Batman Superman Hour for Filmation, and this is how he become he comes to form an Ill- illustrative relationship with superheroes. Mike Plug also worked for Hanna Barbera as an animator on the Wacky Races and the pilot episode of Scooby Doo. Following his time in animation, Plug's entry into comics would begin when he apprenticed under Will Eisner, he for whom the Eisner Awards are named. Plug illustrated a variety of odd publications and started his first comic book illustrations under Eisner's guidance. Eventually, he wound up at Marvel and worked on Marvel Spotlight Number 2, in which Werewolf by Night makes his first appearance. For more on Werewolf by Night, listen to the Panel Scanner's Halloween Special 2020. It is through Marvel Spotlight where Plug first teams with Roy Thomas in 1972, a collaborative relationship that continued when Werewolf by Night launched its own monthly title shortly thereafter. Plug and Thomas would reteam later that same year on a subsequent issue of Marvel Spotlight when they introduced Ghost Rider. Though, there is some dispute about who truly created Ghost Rider with Thomas and Plug in disagreement with writer Gary Friedrich. That's a story for another time. Werewolf by Night follows Jacob jack russell let me get this out of the way i found no evidence regarding a humorous allusion to a jack russell terrier yes i spent time researching that pressing on stories are largely self-contained at least through the first 10 issues with a through line subplot in which jack is seeking answers about his late father from who he inherited the curse of the wolf he has a book called the dark hold analogous to the evil dead's necronomicon the Darkhold, and now are you familiar with the Darkhold, uh, Phil? Because from what I found out, the Darkhold sort of reappears throughout the Marvel uh, Comics universe from time to time. I know I saw some stuff where Carnage had it and Venom had it at one point. Yeah, that that was recently right before the Absolute Carnage stuff. Um, and actually, uh, Tim, you actually have the stuff uh, at your place, the Venom stuff, uh, some of the Cult of Carnage I don't know what you're talking about, Phil. Okay, you only have, <laughs> but you they know, they did have the Darkhold uh, book in yeah. that thing. Oh, that's yeah. Cool. They found it. They found it when they were trying to bring Carnage back. So that's been an artifact that's bounced around the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Looks like it was introduced during uh, Werewolf by Night. Um, so the book appears to be written in multiple languages and sees Jack often seeking out those who can translate it. Often, who those who attempt to translate the Darkhold meet with an unfortunate end. Sound about right, Phil? 
Yep, Jack was actually in that also. Oh, was he really? Yep. Oh, okay. Thomas is writing as Jack is terrific. Jack's internal monologue is a struggle to maintain his humanity while in the wolf's form. He speaks of the wolf as a separate entity. Jack's struggle is one he always loses unless his sister is in peril. Jack's bond with his sister is strong enough that his humanity can resurface while the wolf is in form. Jack theorizes that the bond he experiences while in the wolf's form is because his sister, Lissa, also carries their father's curse. She, too, will begin changing, and Jack's research into the Darkhold is also an attempt to save Lissa from his and his father's fate. Each issue I read finds someone pursuing Jack for sport or in an attempt to harness his power, recognizing that there are mystical forces at play. Jack's baser instinct as the wolf take over to defend himself, often savagely attacking the aggressor, but fighting the urge to kill, thereby preserving human life. Jack shows remorse for the carnage he wreaks, even while in his wolf's form. I know that eventually in the series he begrudgingly accepts his fate and even teams up with some of Marvel's main roster heroes. All right, so a word of caution here. Issue 1 picks up the story from Marvel Spotlight number 2. For more on Marvel Spotlight number 2, you're going to have to find it on eBay because I couldn't. Um, the origins of Werewolf by Night are uh, in that issue, Marvel Spotlight number 2, but the obligatory content summary is not included in Werewolf by Night issue 1. When I began reading issue one, the story was already sort of at a gallop's pace, and it takes a bit of research to fill in the blanks. All right, so not surprisingly, I am very fond of Werewolf by Night. I love having these physical issues, the artwork, the storytelling, the ads. They're like time capsules for children. A little glance into the past. This period of Marvel from the 1970s fascinates me. I can't say for certain, but... Everything I was reading about Marvel at this time, it feels like Marvel was actively trying to bench their main roster superheroes in favor of dark tales like Werewolf by Night. From what I've read about the period, the Tomb of Dracula is still tops, and I loved, loved that. Um, I intend on returning to that title for another retroactive review, but Werewolf by Night is an easy second. I highly recommend it. All right, so Werewolf by Night was announced back in January to have a miniseries debuting this year. Um, however, it doesn't look like it's going to focus on Jack. It's going to focus on a Native American character. No word yet of whether or not Jack Russell is going to appear. The book is slated to be released October 21st. That is in my CG, uh, Carol and John's pull file. I decided on that one over uh, um, Shang-Chi, Phil, because I haven't read the other Shang-Chi's yet. I did see the werewolf by night coming yeah, out. I'm also, excited about it. Uh, now, Jack Russell, werewolf by night, has been heavily rumored to appear in the upcoming phase of the MCU with reports from spring 2019 and January 2019 emerging. Nothing has been officially announced. The most common theory is that Werewolf by Night will probably be included in the Moon Knight TV series. Guys, I got to admit, I, I am really interested to see what Marvel does with a werewolf transformation. Could be very cool. Could happen off screen. <laughs> yeah, it could. Well, I don't know. It depends. I'm trying. Honestly, the closest thing that I'm thinking of would be how did Harry Potter handle it? Because that would be the closest in like ratings in that. I, I well, they don't... do the Hulk. I can't imagine they they can't and like all the things they pulled off. I can't imagine they would have a problem with a werewolf transformation. 
I was going to no, say they, no. Not that they couldn't do it, but I mean, uh, like <laughs> frightening little kids such as myself. So I don't know. Though I heard <laughs> they are kid. <laughs> though I heard that um, that they're going darker or scary. They're saying that the next Doctor Strange movie is their first is going to lean into the horror genre. So you know, maybe they will. It's, was supposed to be. The funny thing is, though, Werewolf by Night plays a lot like the Wolfman from the 1940s. He's the protagonist. He is remorseful. He doesn't want to be the wolf. He's resisting killing. So Werewolf by Night, although it's in the horror genre, it's really, it's not, you know, Doom of Dracula is certainly a horror title. This, this isn't. This is almost more of an adventure tale. No, I'll tell you what. That actually sounds very interesting to me. Um, the comic. So it. Uh, you you would end up really loving it, Tim. Just like you, I might. The old school comic storytelling sensibilities, and then you're flipping over to some of those old toy ads, and <laughs> you I know, and it's, it's it's even it even predates like Saturday morning cartoons to a degree. They're just starting to emerge, and like issue four or five and um it's it's a really fun read and it's just one of those things like one of the top tens i think we i want us to do uh so we have some uh some backup episodes is the top 10 things we are in our in our collection that we're proud to own and werewolf by night and tomb of dracula would probably occupy one of those slots for me i mean i i know i know tomb of dracula was something you were searching for forever so I yeah, totally I remember you got you got a lot of those. And, you know, the funny thing is uh, these titles from the 70s, one of the reasons it was tough to get so many of those Tomb of Draculas was they're still pretty expensive. You're talking $10, $15 for, uh, you know, issue 30, okay? Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, that's why I don't really care if I have a beat-up copy. I like a nicer copy. Mm-hmm. The one I don't understand, the, the, the Werewolf by Night number one I have, it's it's it, the only thing wrong with it is someone wrote twenty cents, right underneath the price, oh. which was twenty cents. <laughs> In case you missed it the first right. time. <laughs> so I just uh, I'm like that's fine. I, I think I got it for like twenty five bucks, and I'm like I couldn't believe I got it for even for that price. So it, that's something I, I'm excited to have. No, it's um, I I I don't know what I consider essential Marvel reading, but. You know, the Marvel, I would say Marvel's most interesting period is the 1970s because it was sort of like throw whatever at the wall and we'll see what happens, um, even including their superhero stuff. Um, but, I mean, this is not something DC ever would have done. Is that a dig at DC from you? Wait, 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 hold on a second. Why wouldn't I take a DC dig? What do you... I'll ask a serious question. Do you guys think I'm a DC guy? Yes, I think you're definitely a DC guy over a Marvel yeah, guy. For sure. Easily. I don't I don't consider myself a DC guy at all. Do you consider yourself a Marvel guy? I consider myself a comics guy. Well, there you go. See, he's a DC guy, though. You lean DC. No, you lean I, DC. I, I would, I, my favorite character is Superman, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm a DC guy. In fact, I... I you're, you're Justice League over Avengers... You're, no, you know, I'm t- I'm Teen Titans over both of them. But you're Teen Titans over X Men. Like I feel like you lean more. 
But I like you them mean, both, though. That's what I'm saying. I've loved X-Men. I've loved the Titans. No. No, see, I'll tell you this. I've done more. If ever there was a... Uh, a, a statistic we could use, it would be the retroactive reviews, and I've done more Marvel. I've read more Marvel issues for retroactive reviews than I've read anything else. Listen, man, you're Green Arrow over Hawkeye. You're... <laughs> Help me out, Phil. You know this. You know no, this. I, is I, mean, I, I do agree with him that I do feel that you lean more DC. I'm not saying that you don't appreciate the others, but I've but I never viewed myself as a dc guy never and i'm not saying that you do view yourself that way i'm just saying from the outside looking in that is the way it's that's how we view you (laughs) i don't know i i I completely disagree in fact i i think that you know i've drifted in and out of dark horse comics a lot i i definitely consider myself a comics guy i mean look my last two reviews were dread star and werewolf by night you're the one that opened my eyes to more outside of the big two. So I'm not saying that you're not a comic guy, but I think when you're talking about the big two, you lean more toward DC. I agree with Tim. Matter of fact, how about the people listening? Why don't they let us know on one of our various uh, different outlets of what Darren is? At least. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Leave All it right. to the people because least... they've listened to enough podcasts to – to know uh, where you lean. At least I am not dismissive of DC. I'm not dismissive of DC. I didn't say you were, but clearly you have. You took a little bit of offense here. So, uh, yeah, you were well, I figured there was you're no very way you're dismissive. To, he's the Batman guy, so uh, I figured DC that was, sucks. Let me... Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Batman's DC. No, I love DC. <laughs> I, I'm dismissive of DC. I, I, I hope that the, the people, if you go back and listen, I think you're going to see... Like I said, my last, I don't even, I don't remember, recall what uh, retro review I did before that. But Dreadstar and Werewolf by Night have been my last two retro reviews. Come on, man. I'm a comics guy. I'm not a DC guy. If you're, if you're saying between DC and Marvel, I, I have pointed out in the past. Yeah, that's all I'm talking about. I'm not talking about Dark Horse. I'm not talking about Image. I'm not talking about any of those others. I'm just talking between the big two. I don't ever think I stated clearly that i prefer green arrow over hawkeye i think have i have to. i think i have pointed out that hawkeye hawkeye's foundation was built on the coattails of green arrow and i think that's accurate that's and all i always love love to point out that what is it spider-man uh was created with the best parts of superman and was it superman and batman and all that you know but now let me ask it's you this little... question. That's that came from straight from Stan Lee, though. That is right I'm... out of Stan Lee's mouth. All right. No, I, I'm just telling you. You like to bring up stuff like that quite a bit, though. Because that's the I history of the comics. An argument. <laughs> now let me ask you this: When I say this, and I'll, I guess I'll ask this question for Phil specifically, but we're all Spider-Man fans. When I have mentioned that Stan Lee has stated that he Spider-Man was a combination of the best parts of Batman and Superman, do you think? Source. Hold on. Do you think I'm being reductive of Spider-Man when I point that out? A little I bit. think it's contextual. That's not the I question it, I asked, you, though. I didn't no, ask that I, question. It, it, am no, I that, being? That, am I trying to reduce Spider-Man by saying that? By by pointing out that Stan Lee has said this. One, I I've never actually seen in writing that Stan Lee said that. I've heard it from your mouth. So you're a I've denier. Seen, okay. Same same liar. I'm not a liar. I've never heard it from. I didn't say you were a liar. I said you were a denier. I didn't say you were a liar. I said you were a denier. 
Oh, denier. No, I'm not a denier. I've just never seen it. So, like, considering you're my only source, and not that I do not trust you, that's the only place I've heard it. I'm not saying you're being reductive. I'm just saying that I I agree with Tim that you are very quick to point these things out when they happen. So what have I pointed out amongst these things that has been inaccurate? I don't know because I don't actually fact check you ever. So the amount of research I put into these retroactive reviews, um, you don't think I've picked up? You don't think I've picked up a few things along the way? You think I would report something in here that wouldn't be inaccurate? I just think it's funny of how worked up you're getting because we're just picking on you a little bit. (laughs) How am I getting worked up? I'm not getting worked up. Nope, you certainly are not. I'm not getting worked up at all. (laughs) At any rate. I, I do have a question for you guys. Recycling. This is one of my Circling. favorite moments. Keep going. Circling back to Werewolf by Night, was this something either of you, uh, Tim, I'm sure more likely you were aware of, but uh, Phil, how I know you said that uh, Jack Russell showed up in Venom. Um, how aware of you were, were you of Werewolf by Night prior to that? I'm, I was very aware of his existence just because of the amount of interaction I've had with Marvel and there is reference to him. He popped up in Amazing Spider-Man a couple times uh, during my giant run. Um, there there are other times that his face has popped up. So, like, I know he exists. I've seen the, a lot of the covers that uh, from those early issues also. Um, I ran into a lot of them, too, when I was doing a little research for you. Man, that must have been two years ago when I was looking for Tomb of Dracula stuff oh, for you. 20, I think I said 2015. Yeah, it's been a it's been a long time. I I know. So I mean, I've been aware of him for a long. I wouldn't say as a kid I was aware of the existence of Werewolf by Night, but uh, since doing this podcast, I I definitely have for sure. Um, but again, just doing the podcast in general has made me more aware to things that I wasn't even slightly aware existed. Well, prior. you know, that's why I I do consider myself a comics guy over everything else is because I I find the the, the history of these things fascinating um the 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 amount of detail that goes into them the 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 politics sometimes they are a reflection of their time period and that's really kind of what i got out of werewolf by night was how much of a reflection how much of a a rebellion it was for marvel to do this and then how much of a reflection it was of the times because it's not hard to see jack russell as an analogy to the returning Vietnam soldier, when you really look at um, his arc and his story and what he's going through, he's sort of hopping from town to town looking for answers. He doesn't know what his place is in the world. He's got this tremendous burden. He's 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 definitely got uh, PSD um, from being the wolf. So I mean, it's really I mean, it seems to be like it was a Roy Thomas and Mike Plug commenting on American society at the time and how horribly people are treating jack russell because of it it's crazy i mean it sounds like a really good read too so uh might be something i might try to circle around and get to at some point sure right yeah yeah comics guy (laughs) (laughs) what is it it's not who i am underneath but what i do that defines me no it's more about how little regard how little regard i hold for what either of you think (laughs) <laughs> oh, hurtful. Very hurtful. Well, that's that's the Halloween, because now next month, um, it's going to be more of a, a jovial, a, a, a season of caring and giving and, and you know, a, a Thanksgiving and Christmas. And we have some fun stuff for that, too, don't we, Phil? We, 
Two. Wow. So uh, and then there's Bah Humbug Tim over there, which I think we'll run into a little. Oh next yeah. Month. But don't forget, he also told us how, oh, I'm not really into horror movies. I'm not really into costumes. Yeah. And then he comes up with this Ben Cooper stuff. And you're like, oh, my God, there it is. Uh, so I'm whatever Tim tells us, I'm certain he's going to come up with something amazing. And I know he likes Santa Claus. I know that. For it's not intentional. And I used to be afraid of Santa. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I should have listed him as one of my horror that uh, been icons. <laughs> All right, so regardless, next month we're going to do a little bit of things that we would like to see under our trees. Uh, there's supposedly a little bit of an origin of Santa Claus coming from well, my maybe not. co-host. I'm maybe. guessing Tim has not seen next month's rundown. I'm assuming not, but we will see because we still have a month. Uh, and So uh, can I justify something real quick? Sorry, Phil, go ahead. I was going to say, and I'm doing a retroactive review of The Last Christmas uh, by Jerry Duggan, Brian Posehn, with art by Rick Remender, which is going to be interesting. So the segment, What's Under the Tree, is a segment we're doing. And I think about, like, our from a couple of weeks ago when we did our uh, While We Were Away segment, and we were talking about, you know, the, the Marvel TV shows are coming, and now we're getting a, a Nick Fury TV show the fact that Cobra Kai exists, the fact that we had Dark Crystal, all these things that we keep getting. Now, my question to you is, and anyone out there in podcast arena land, is there something we're still waiting for? Is there something that hasn't arrived yet? What out there do you want to see under the tree? And this is a proverbial sort of thing where I would still want, uh, I what I want under the tree, and this is not one of my selections, but I want the Dark Crystal season two. All right. Under my tree. I haven't gotten that yet. So is there something else out there that you're still waiting for? Like Tim probably would have listed a Batman movie in the same vein as the movie seven. Looks like that may be on the way. So something along the lines, what are you still waiting for it to happen? What still hasn't come yet? Um, and all this world where it seems like everything is coming all at once. And so obviously that is some stuff to look forward to going into next month. So, uh, do you guys have anything to plug other than this podcast or anything exciting in the world of us? <laughs> no. No? Nothing from Tim? I just want to say I love Darren. Oh. I love you guys, too. It, much love. It's 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 fun razzing each other a little bit. Uh, as always, you can follow us um, at Panel Scanners on Instagram, and you can find us at Panel Scanners on Facebook. And you can send emails to panelscanners at gmail.com if you want to communicate with us whatsoever. Let us know if you think that Darren is a DC guy, you know, whatever. Uh, so I, mean, I don't if, care what they think. I, mean, I, don't. Uh, I, I know you don't. I do. <laughs> well, Tim does. I'll forward all the emails to him. So, regardless, until next month, enjoy your comics. Uh-huh.